0: Burns, hit right It's
1: This is it. We finally lasted past 2021. Welcome to the first episode of the Just Baseball Show from 2022. Uh, I'm shocked we got here, but we're here and we're better than ever. We're gonna keep on going. Uh, Arm, I got a, uh, I got a pretty sentimental text from you on a on New Year's Eve, right around 11 p.m. That was good. I, I needed the energy going into
0: 2022. I was about to say like that. What did I say? I don't remember saying oh, anything. And then I, I know, no, guy. no, I know, I know exactly what you're getting at. No, no, that, I, I meant that one. Um, but it's funny because the thing with me and it was like a joke in the chat, right? It's like Aram's not normally like the sentimental guy. Um, and one of the things for me is like, Oh, I'm new years. We're just going to be all like sentimental, but you sent something in there. And I was like, he's right. Like we, this has been unbelievable this last year. And then yeah. we haven't even done a full year yet. And I was just so excited about everything ahead. So yeah, that one was from the heart and it it made me uncomfortable and squirm a little bit, but you're worth it.
1: That's a haul. I appreciate that. We got some good stuff. Uh, I also have to pay you back on our bet uh, that you said that the World Series would average north of 10 million viewers per game, average, um, Mm -hmm. like the average uh, audience size would be north of 10 million. I said less than nine, uh, and it was right around 10 and a half. So you win. So I'm going to pay this off to start the new year. Every time you make a point, I've got to compliment your point. So I'm going to (laughs) be just do it like like twice and I'm good. I'll do it like two, three times. You know, I I'm going to go over the top if I really agree with something you said. Fair. And What if
0: you disagree with it?
1: Then I'm going to be super, super cautious uh, and very aware of your feelings when I disagree with you. Fair.
0: (laughs) As opposed to normally, no awareness for my feelings. Yeah,
1: you're an idiot and I hate you.
0: Yes, you've lost all credibility. All credibility, gone. I've this lost it so many joke. times that I don't know how I have any credibility left to lose, according to, to that comment.
1: Well, so two negatives is a positive.
0: Ah, so if so you lose it twice, that
1: means you get it back.
0: Yeah, because oh. <laughs> then uh, the other side of the political spectrum likes you. That makes sense. So that, That's like how Skip Bayless works, right? He just goes... Yes lose credibility, lose it again, you're back. He keeps flip-flopping. Hey, uh, somebody
1: that has not lost credibility at all, even though this team absolutely sucks this year, although they did just beat our alma mater. I got down the Virginia men's basketball rabbit hole. The last six years, they have been dead last in America in tempo. That's commitment to the bit from Tony Bennett. I yeah. mean, that guy, like you... You have to make a conscious effort and then some to be dead last in something every single year. I understand that's the style of offense, but the style of offense should be like bottom 10 in America in tempo every year. It depending on who you have.
0: Yeah. You might have some different guys that play a little quicker and you got DeAndre Hunter top five pick. Let him go run. Let him shoot. Nope. 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 Kyle guy's a guy that could dribble it up and pull up from, you know, deep three and make it a quick possession, too. But nope. And the funny thing about that is they played Syracuse and that's the defensive version of that, right? Unrelentingly boring and never budging. And they played each other. And guess how much of that game I watched? Zero, Zero. Zero of that game. Uh, no.
1: Okay. So we just talked about boring college hoops. Let's talk about when it's in the regular season, the most boring aspect of baseball. And that is relief pitching uh, in the ninth. It's fun, but. The bullpen is not the sexiest thing in baseball. However, they've been paid well recently. And the question that was burning in our minds going into this episode was, is it worth spending on your bullpen? My answer is no. Your answer was no. But
0: of course, it's super layered. Exactly. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. It's it's like we both knew the answer was no. But what was fascinating to me was, The more we kind of thought about it, I'm like, there's more layers to this than I thought. And and that's the interesting part, because you have the team that never addresses the bullpen and perpetually has bullpen issues like the Phillies. Right. Or they attempt to address the bullpen and don't do it well. But the Phillies didn't go get a big fish and fail. Right. Like they didn't go get Chapman, give him five years and, and have him tank the bullpen. They just have not made big moves for bullpen arms. But they also haven't made successful small moves. So it's like if you're not going to make the big move, you have to hit on the small moves. If you have no confidence in your ability to develop bullpen arms, which I think every team at this point thinks they can because every team is going to back into a couple of bullpen arms, I feel like if you're one of those teams, you might be a little bit more likely to spend. It. But we see a lot of teams reluctant to do it. So I'm really interested in kind of diving into what your thoughts are on this because these guys are still going to get paid big money. But if you look at the highest paid, relievers most of them are not good uh at least for how much they're making you know like that's the problem
1: the the reliever shelf life and the running back shelf life are the two most similar things in sports Mm -hmm. the reliever shelf life you can be the best reliever in baseball josh Hader right now he's had a longer shelf life than 99 percent of the guys to come before him
0: It's unreal. I think we kind of almost forget how long he's been doing this. Now, I mean, he's been doing this for a handful of years of just of just consistently being the best or one of the three best. And Uh, I think that's that's just incredible.
1: And I and I think you know when you say a handful of years, people will scoff and say, "Ha, like that's not much time for a reliever." Yes, it is. Yes, It it is. And you see these big contracts. That's because all these guys timed up this two year peak perfectly. I mean, look at Zach Britton. This guy looked like Cy Young. He looked like he was on the fast track to the Hall of Fame in Baltimore. He got his bag, and then Zach Britton has never been anywhere close to the same type of guy. Blake Trinan had this stretch of two years, a year and a half in Oakland, and then he took a nosedive, and he got it back a little bit, and he looked really good this year at points, but you, know, y- you always look at best reliever in baseball. Craig Kimbrell He took a dive after his Atlanta time. And then he was really good for half a year. And everybody was like, okay, vintage Kimbrel. And then he goes to the White Sox and keeps on blowing stuff. And then you look at the other swing of the reliever spectrum. You mentioned the Phillies. They somehow fell backwards into Ian Kennedy for the second half, who was the best thing to happen to them. Ian Kennedy, average starter, paid like an average starter, turned into a bullpen arm, turned into a good closer, but before that was not a good reliever at all. Like these guys, their career, their arc is just so volatile. You have no idea what you're paying for.
0: And you don't know who the next guy is that's going to step up and be that insane reliever. And that's the challenge is you go out and you spend and then somebody emerges on your own team that ends up being better or more effective. And that's a good problem to have, right? But then you also have those situations where it's like you don't know if you're going to get lucky and have some of those arms develop. And that's the challenge is the juggle is, yes, I want to invest in my bullpen and I need to have some veteran surefire arms in there. But at the same time, you have to be able to develop your own bullpen arms or else you just won't be as deep as some of these other teams. I mean, you look at, I mean, the Brewers, for example, like Devin Williams to me is an example of, of kind of developing a bullpen arm. That was a guy who was a starter, second round pick. Uh, who was just not great as a starter. The stuff wasn't good enough. He didn't really have a third pitch that he could rely on. The fastball was okay. He perfects this changeup and only has to throw it in one, two inning spurts, and he's disgusting, right? And that was a move from rotation to bullpen, and it developed nicely. It doesn't usually happen that young where it comes together like that, but now we're starting to see it a bit more with the Emmanuel Class a's of the world and a lot more guys like that. So you hope for that, but those guys are still supremely special. And that's the challenge is like, okay, are you willing to wait and hope you develop a guy like that? Or do you spend money and then leave a little bit of a, a a little bit of room for those guys? Or do you just sign a bunch of decent dudes? Like there's so many different approaches uh, that I find fascinating. And I think the best way to do it is look at the characteristics of the best bullpens in baseball.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I want to start with this team. I don't know if it makes your list best bullpens in baseball, but uh, you mentioned Emmanuel Classé, who Peter thinks will take over that title of best reliever in baseball. Um, he also thinks the kid in uh, in San Francisco, um, Camilo oh. Duval. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, like, Duval and Classé are kind of the same. Like, Duval is not 103, but Duval is 101. Um, before Emmanuel Classé, though, it was Jordan Hicks. You see a 103-mile-an-hour cutter. Jordan Hicks was in a 103-mile-an-hour sinker. And Hicks can't stay on the field right now. I want to talk about the evolution of the top dog in the bullpen for the Cardinals before we get into the best bullpens, because the Cardinals have been traditionally a deep bullpen team. Over recent memory, it went Hicks, and then Hicks couldn't stay healthy. And then it was the top flight starter prospect who couldn't stay healthy, Ali Re- Alex Reyes, who comes back and, and has this five-pitch arsenal as a closer. And then all of a sudden, he can't get anybody out. So it's Giovanni Gallegos, who's the guy on the mound who was throwing really well when their season ended in the wild card game. It was TJ McFarland. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to who's going to be good at any certain period of time. But let's dive into those best bullpens in baseball.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at, and this is like in no order. I'm just looking at the bullpens, and I'm always like, okay, these guys, these teams, I have confidence in almost any arm they bring out. And obviously, that's going to be the Dodgers. But the Dodgers are a little bit of a separate bucket, I think, just because they kind of have this disposable income and they can give Kenley Jansen the amount that they gave him. But he had to kind of repurpose himself, too. That contract overall, I would say, was not totally worth it. Not terrible, Love. though, but not yeah. the worst thing ever compared to some of these others. But like the Giants they didn't really spend on their bullpen. They found guys and unlocked a ton and then helped develop guys. I like the Cardinals example because their bullpen was surprisingly good down the stretch. And even though that was the case, you have a ton of people saying one of their biggest needs this offseason is bullpen. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, well, that was one of their strengths down the stretch, which kind of shows you in itself how volatile it is, right? Their bullpen was among one of the best in baseball over the most important stretch of the season. Yet we go into the offseason, everyone's like, nah, I don't trust those guys. They, they need to bring in some new dudes. But those new dudes might go up and down, too. Like they, And that's the craziest thing. I guess the, the biggest question as we get into the best bullpens, because, of course, the Brewers go right into that as well, is how many relievers in baseball are actually good for the duration of the entire year? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Even the Kimbrels, who looked like he was back to you know borderline Hall of Fame case, Kimbrel was terrible at the end of the season after being one of the best relievers in baseball for the first large portion of the season. So how many guys are literally – and everyone has like a two-week little flub or one-week little swamp? but I'm saying don't have that month fall off. It's really just a handful of dudes. So do you identify just those dudes and those are the only guys you spend on or is it even risky to spend on those guys? Like That's where it really gets deep.
1: It is. It, that's where it gets deep. Um, another organization that I want to bring up is Tampa, obviously. And, and Tampa is going to be the gold standard at everything. Uh, they're relievers that they run out. I mean, they run out weird arm slots from the right side. They all throw 98 and they all have this one secondary offering that's amazing. With relievers, yet yeah, they're constantly getting hurt. They're constantly getting banged up one outing. Uh, And then that throws their confidence out of whack because they got to sit there for two days and think about it. And then that hinders, you know, their Friday outing if they just throw on a Tuesday and got shelled. It is the I think it's the hardest position in baseball to play because you cannot have this. um, There's no chance to immediately uh, make up for your mistakes. Right. So the other position that is like that is the D.H., where, you know, you can't go out into the field and say, hey, if a ball's coming my way, I'm going to make a great defensive play, even though I just struck out last time. up. If you strike out as a DH, you sit there for an hour and a half and you just think like, damn, I just struck out. If yep. you're a reliever, you come in, you load the bases without getting an out. You got two days in between to just think about that and let that shit fester. It's not easy. So you got to have mental fortitude. You got to have physical consistency. And you got to have the stuff to put guys away every single time you get out there.
0: And you don't know when you're going to get called on again. Like, you know, you might get called on and coach will tell you or your manager will tell you, maybe these are the guys that might go today. But in baseball, shit happens. You have no idea. So being ready all the time is is another component that is, is pretty wild to me. And that's why I think it's, it's so important to have. Six arms really that you trust. And I think that's what I what I'm really excited about in, in the I think the way that we visualize what a bullpen looks like. The traditional component of you got two nasty guys in the back end, your setup man and your closer. And those are your dudes. And then you got some other guys in between that are middle relievers that are mediocre. I don't know if that's the real approach. I think it's almost as important to have seven, six arms you trust without having that elite Rizel Iglesias in the back end, then having the elite Rizel Iglesias, and then only maybe two other arms that you trust. like That's the other juggle there. And when I look at the best bullpens, yes, you have Josh Hader in the Brewers' bullpen, but they trusted a few other guys. That's still just Josh Hader being elite. But if you look at the Giants, they trusted every arm in that bullpen, right? They had seven guys that they would probably roll out there for a save and feel confident about it. Most of the time, it's like, oh no, we got to put somebody else in a safe situation, and it's not our closer. Like, could you imagine if the Giants rolled out anybody other than Brian Wilson during that stretch? I'm sure they did it on occasion when they had to, if he was hurt or if he threw 40 pitches a day before. But when you had to put somebody other than Brian Wilson out there, that was like a, oh shoot, here we go. Right. But this year for the Giants, it put seven other, seven different dudes. I think they had, a, I think they had 12 different players record a save. I think so. And they were confident in all of them. I'm, I'm positive of it. So that I think kind of says a lot too, right? More irons in the fire is, is a good thing in this instance.
1: Yeah, I agree. And when you do have that one guy that you turn to, this is your ninth inning. How many teams did that work for this year? San Diego, sometimes with Melanson, like Melanson was, he was the saves leader in major league baseball. So you got to say that it worked for them more often than not.
0: But what did it do for their team, right? Like that's the thing. Like, you have the, the singular best closer, but that doesn't make it a good bullpen. And I think right. that's, that's the fascinating part. Cause Jack, listen to this. This is the highest salaries by relief pitcher uh, from last season or, or going into next season. Uh, this is the list for 2022. Of course, you got some player options and things like that. Actually, let me scratch that. Let me do 21 instead since the year already happened and we can reflect yeah. on it with, with yeah. some hindsight bias. Number one is Kenley Jansen at 20 million. Would you give him that for last no. year's production? No, no, even though he was he was okay. He did salving himself. No. Aroldis Chapman at 17.2 million. No. Kimbrell at 16. No. Britain at 13. No. Will Smith at 13. Uh, that's the only guy that I start to somewhat think about, but he's not worth $13 million. You know what I mean? I, I agree. I, that's why I'm with you here. Andrew Miller at 12 million. Oh my God. <laughs> this is in order. I'm not skipping any good relievers. This is in order. Most expensive going down. Yeah. I know the answer on Andrew Miller. Jury's familia at 11.6. God, this one's a good one. Liam Hendricks at 11. That's yeah. a no brainer. Yeah, no brain for that. Trevor Rosenthal at 11 was unfortunate this year. I I thought it was high, but honestly, he had an unbelievable year the year before. Uh, But that's what Rosenthal got a one-year 11. Cut him some slack on that. Brad Hand at 10.5. No.
1: Garrett Richards
0: at 10. No. Rizell Iglesias at 9. Good. Yes. Ryan Presley at 8.7. Yes. Yes. Joe Kelly at 8.5. Maybe, but probably not. Will Harris at 8. Ugh. Trevor may at eight. I'm almost done. Adam Adovino at seven. God, Josh Hader at six. <laughs> yes. Like
1: hey, pay hey. him. If there's any guy on that list that's worth 20 mil, it's Hader, but is Hader even worth 20 mil? Like the reliever impact on a baseball game. I don't know if you can correlate the ninth inning to wins. You got to
0: be no. leading going into the
1: ninth inning for Hader to matter.
0: It that. That's the, and that's an entirely like different topic of conversation, which, but is, is very relevant and ties in is that the antiquated belief that, and I do think the last three outs can be more difficult, but I think that's fading away now when you have so many dudes with freakish stuff, you've got a lot of guys out there now that have confidence in their stuff that they don't care if it's a seventh or the ninth inning, and they're going to go right after you because everybody throws freakish stuff now. It, it's not the same as like the reason why the closer was always the closer is there was only one dude on a roster that could run at upper 90s. Right? There, yeah. there was only a couple of dudes in baseball that could run at upper 90s, not now even that all long do. ago. Yeah, and now they all do. They all have closer stuff. Like Remember when closer stuff was a thing? Every reliever has closer stuff now. That's the thing. I, there's so many relievers that you and I aren't even going to mention that are making minimum salaries right now that I guarantee you a ton of big league hitters are more worried about than facing, you know, even uh, Will Smith. Right. And, and, and that's the that's the crazy part about it is we're putting a lot of stock into into saves, but I think it should really just be put into <laughs> how consistently you are as good as you're so, supposed to be.
1: Say Yes, saves is outdated. And I think the ninth inning mentality is only held by a few still. Uh, Liam Hendricks obviously been on record saying he doesn't care if he throws the eighth or ninth. For Craig Kimbrell, it was pretty obvious that it was either ninth inning or bust. Hader would likely want the ninth inning instead. Um, But this all changed kind of in 2016 when Andrew Miller was in Cleveland. When Miller was in Cleveland during that postseason run, you know, the Indians acquired him. As a closer, he was the best closer in baseball that year when he was acquired. When Miller came back, it was this new groundbreaking approach saying when we're in a pinch in the sixth, it's Andrew Miller time. That is how relievers function now, because Miller had stuff that you couldn't hit, not just in the ninth, but also in the sixth inning of play. So you have to look at relievers like that saying, this is my best piece. This is my battleship. Where do I deploy him? And the answer shouldn't always be the ninth inning. No, And I think people are starting to learn that. And I think that that's going to dock the pay for relievers. I want to look at reliever trends right now, just in terms of payroll, because of those guys that you mentioned in 2021, 10 made eight figures, 10 plus million dollars in 2020 before the proration of the salaries for the you know abbreviated season. 13 relievers made 10 plus million dollars 12 in 2019 that's brand new because in 2018 only eight relievers made 10 plus million eight relievers in 2017 four in 2016 three in 2015 so this is a new obsession with paying guys for something that they might not be able to replicate ever again
0: yeah yeah i mean that's that's the challenge and like how many years is it that you've seen enough of this guy that you're like okay? Is he, it free but, but like, like but Mark what does Andrew Kittredge? What does Andrew Kittredge have to do? How many more years does Andrew Kittredge have to do what he did last year to like be like okay? But is he ever going to get paid? You know, like that's the thing
1: with Zach Britton. You wanted to pay for that turbo sinker with Trinan. You wanted to pay 10 million annually for that turbo sinker with Chapman. Obviously you wanted to pay for that fastball with Kimbrell. You wanted to pay for the thing that rose. And with Kimbrell, that fastball did not rise for like five years. And then it started rising again in April. And everybody was like, oh shit, let's go. This is where the money was. And then it stopped rising. So I, I just don't understand the idea with paying for something when you know
0: that the shelf life is just not that good. Well, and I think some of the most forward thinking organizations are reinforcing that narrative by, I mean, look at what the, the Mariners did, right? I mean, with the Mariners making the move to trade away a reliever and then ultimately go get another one, I mean, like even seeing Diego Castillo on the move, right? Like that, was that not a a head scratcher for the Rays too at that point? So you have a team trade away their best, their best reliever at the time in, in the Mariners and they, they go and get Diego Castillo after that. Like they're kind of just showing, Hey, well, we'll just kind of mix this around and get an extra year of control or two with Diego Castillo. Then we're okay with sending out Kendall Graveman. And so they send out Kendall Graveman and it's like this just musical chairs because to them, they're like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Even though Graveman was the best reliever in baseball for a decent stretch last year. And they're like, no, we don't think this is going to stick. And Diego Castillo has more years of control. So we're going to trade cash in on Graveman in the middle of our playoff hunt. And then we're going to go get Diego Castillo with a couple more years of control. I think that's like almost a microcosm of the way the most forward thinking organizations feel about it is that, it is that volatile, and they're not going to die on the hill of a singular reliever unless he's Josh freaking hater. And I think even at that point, it might not be like that because we still hear Josh hater trade rumors all the time, all, all the, the time. time. And I mean, they're not just made up from nothing. No, I mean, there, and, there's a clear belief that haters not staying in Milwaukee long term.
1: And, and you think about the possible return for a lot of these guys. I mean, think about Kimberl, top of his game at the deadline. Who do you get? You get an everyday second baseman who's got you know, the best contact rate in baseball in Nick Magical, who knows where his value lies, but he doesn't swing and miss. And then you've got a guy who can also be a closer in Cody Hoyer. Like, you got two MLB-ready, potentially really good pieces for you in exchange for half a season of dominance. But there are so many guys out there that can give you half a season of dominance. Like, look at Dominic Leon last year. He gave you half a season of dominance, right? Um, You know, another guy, nobody... Kind of expanding on that point, nobody's going to lose sleep, whether it be the Mariners or the Astros over Kendall Graveman, if he's good with the White Sox this year, $8 million annually, like Jerry Depoto is not going to say, damn, I wish I held on to him. He's going to be fine because he's got Diego Castillo here and he's got other pen guys that he can deploy. He's not going to miss Kendall Graveman. Now, if they traded Logan Gilbert for a win now guy and Logan Gilbert turns into a Cy Young contender, okay, there we go. Now you're pissed. But you're never going to be pissed. Like I guarantee you Orioles fans are not that pissed that they let a minor league Josh Hader get away. You don't think they're that mad about it? I don't think so. Like, I think they're more mad about like Gosman. To be totally honest, that's a good
0: question because I think when you get to Josh Hader territory, it's 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 crazy. But yeah, he stands alone right now. But even when you look at the saves thing, like, would you say Edwin Diaz had a good year?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Seventh Diaz and has saves. not been worth
0: that. Seventh and saves. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. Uh, that that's the interesting thing is you look at some of the, the save leaders or some of the teams that had the quote unquote best closers, those bullpens weren't necessarily great uh, overall. And that's, that's the fascinating thing about it. I look at how good Kenley Jansen was last year. It's surprising to me that they rolled him out there in that many save opportunities, given that they could trust everybody else. I think a lot of that had to do with the injuries and things like that, but you have Hendricks in Chicago who had 38 saves as well. That's tied for second behind Mark Melanson's 39. Melanson was like the only dude, that could really close things out in San Diego. That's why I'm really surprised that they let let him go. But that's that's the more of the instance of the, what I'm looking to spend. Right, like I think you do need to spend six, seven million if you need to make some massive improvements. Mark Melanson for the two years, fourteen he got like that's exactly what I'm looking for as my quote unquote splash. I don't think yes. you need more than that if you can get an older reliever that is still clearly great at that price. Why wouldn't you just do that? Like, There's nothing special about being able to lock up a 25-year-old reliever for six years. I'd rather have the 37-year-old dude with the track record for cheaper for two years and go figure it out again in two more years. It's not like the other positions where you want that starting pitcher with six years of control. I think that's the other side of it as well. I don't really care about six years of control for a reliever because I don't even know if we'll be good in three years. And that side of it is when do we start seeing the market and relievers in general, the reliever market reflects the volatility of the position because we're not seeing that yet. I mean, look at what Rizel Iglesias just got. And I mean, he was unbelievable, but I mean, look at what he just got. It's pretty nuts. It
1: is. Now, you know, looking in hindsight, I'm thinking about the Zach Britton deal because three years, 39, I think that's still something I do. If somebody as good as Zach Britton at the time, at the time, the market, yeah. Like so, so now it it feels like we're yelling at a brick wall and we're saying all these things, and we could just go back on our word right now and say, like, yeah, I'll I'll still give, you know, three years forty to the best reliever in baseball if he hits the market.
0: So that's where I'm like, this is a layered discussion. Then what is the true answer as to whether it's worth spending for a bullpen or not? If it if it goes down to this for me, where I can spend on that reliever for that much money, or I can go address the starting rotation or go address some other spots for a little bit more money. I still think I'm going to do the, the latter. I'm going to go address other spots. Like, that's got to be the last piece for me. And I have to have a lot of financial flexibility, but I, I still would really opt to not do that. Like, I, that's the thing for me is I don't know if I would do it when Mark Melanson's getting two year deals. I, that's the biggest standout. And you look at every year who the bounce back random former starter is gonna be. If you invest, I guess into trying to find those guys more so, but is that a sustainable model, right? Is it sustainable to be able to try to mine for gold like that all the time and count on being able to discover it at a high enough rate to be bolstered up for the season? Is that something that any team other than the Rays can and Dodgers can do? I don't realistically, I don't think so. And that's the challenge. So I, I look at it like this. What are you, what are you doing? If you're the Phillies, I, I kind of want to turn that on you. What are you doing if, if you're the Phillies to address that bullpen, right? It's been historically bad for two straight years. Your team's good overall. You've got a two headed monster at the top of your rotation uh, and, and an emergent pitcher in Ranger Suarez as well. You have a fantastic offense led by the MVP. You have a couple bounce back candidates. You have some prospects that actually might be able to help you despite a, a weak system. And, Overall, this is a team that should be competing for the playoffs. Bullpen is a big reason why they're not. So they're one of those teams that you could justify the spending. However, they also have a lot of money already tied up and if you miss on this big spend, now your bullpen could be, you know, set back forever. <laughs> like you could be doomed. So what is your approach if you're if you're Dave Dombrowski right now in Philadelphia?
1: Yeah, I, so I think I'm packaging Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott, and I'm sending them to San Francisco for Camilo Doval mm-hmm. and two A-ball guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Marco
1: Oceano is the A-ball guy, though, right? No, no, no. I was <laughs> thinking actually just like relievers that have like very high walk rates right now, but you like- But stuff. high K rates,
0: high K yeah. rates too. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I 16 like strikeouts per nine, but also 14 <laughs> walks per nine. I There's want two guys. of those guys, and I want Camilo Doval for Harper and uh, Bryson Stott. You have to throw Stodd in. (laughs) Have to. Have to have the the prospect. The sweetener. (laughs) And and soda money.
0: (laughs) Soda money.
1: But like no, so (laughs) I I can give you a serious answer if you want. Yes. Okay. Uh, What I think I'm doing is is I'm hitting the market and I'm looking for a guy, um, as weird as it sounds, I'm looking for a guy that fits the Tyler Matzik template. The guy that has tried and failed elsewhere And has some seriously flawed, um, you know, previous experiences in major league baseball, but you just like it and you just like 95 and you like the slider like I'm looking for two pitches and you can find that from a lot of guys Wade Davis was a guy that Kansas City found like that Wade Davis failed starter that they turned into the best setup man in baseball. Flanking Wade Davis was Greg Holland, who was way too small to be a premier closer, but just turned 96 into you know something that he can really do to close out games. And then you also had 101 with Kelvin Herrera in the seventh inning. Yeah, I want right. to go back to, to one thing that you said, like how valuable is three outs? You said that about 20 minutes ago. You know, when I hear that, I said... Not that valuable, but how valuable is nine outs. So I want three guys that are good instead of one guy that's great. And I look at the 2015 Royals, and I'm going to bring the 2015 Royals back up in a moment. But the 2015 Royals, if James Shields or Edison Volquez or Giordano Ventura had a lead through six, the game was over because you went Herrera, Davis, Holland. The 2021 Braves in the postseason, if Ian Anderson or Charlie Morton or Max Fried gave you the lead through six, the game felt over because you went either Minter or Matzik, and then you went Luke Jackson, and then you went Will Smith. That's what a good bullpen can do for you, and you cannot pay to experience that the Braves somehow backed their way into that at the trade yeah. deadline. They got Richard Rodriguez, who
0: was not on the world series roster when they won the freaking world series, which is the craziest part. They gave up a decent amount and that shows you again, <laughs> how many teams that's another thing. How many teams went out and acquired a reliever who didn't help them at all. <laughs> like after being acquired a lot, Kimbrel. a lot, that's how yeah. this stuff works.
1: Um, so if I'm the Phillies, I'm looking for the guys like Wade Davis and Tyler Matzik, and I'm hoping that they turn out. I'm also looking to maybe dump guys that, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking are a, a centerpiece moving forward. Um, I'll, maybe Brad Miller, maybe you get two a ball arms back for Brad Miller that throw a hundred. If somebody wants to plug Brad Miller and just let it rock. Right. So these guys, like when you find them at a ball, when you find 98 and a ball, They're still not that valuable. If they're A-ball relievers, you don't have to give up a king's ransom to go get them. If you like somebody, that's why scouting departments matter so much.
0: A hundred percent. And this is why, so this wouldn't even be a topic of conversation if so many guys didn't throw a (laughs) hundred. and so many guys weren't so nasty. That's the only reason why we're talking about this now. This isn't some change in philosophy, right? This isn't us saying stolen bases no longer matter because we crunched the numbers. This is... Evidence of the game changing. And I think another really good example of it is AJ Preller I think, is is kind of trying to take this route too because the move he made to trade Adam Frazier away. One of the guys that came back in that deal that I think was a kind of an afterthought by a lot of people is left-handed reliever, 26 years old, Ray Kerr. And Ray Kerr, a little bit wild, but has been harnessing it and and is probably big like Right, he had a lot of success in the upper levels of the minors last year. 101 from the left side. And so he had some success. He's 26. They want to see if it works. Not an exciting prospect, right? They could have got, probably the Padres, could have got a more exciting high A-ball guy that has that lottery ticket upside. But instead, they opted for the tempered ceiling Ray Kerr, who could probably saw it into their bullpen this year. That's kind of what I think we're going to see a little bit more of, is they're not always going to want the lottery ticket 18 year old prospect. Like I'll take that 26 year old that wasn't figuring it out in the rotation because he has a freak arm and we're going to throw him in our bullpen. And Ray Kerr was already doing that. And and he looks really good. And that to me is, is AJ Preller's way of saying I can address this bullpen without making any big splashes and just finding those arms and identifying those guys. There are so many anonymous hundred mile per hour throwers now in the minor leagues that if you do the scouting properly, I really think you can just have enough irons in the fire and a few of them will pan out. I, I'm a firm believer in that. And, and I don't think it takes some complex advanced analytics to figure that out. I just don't think teams are doing their due diligence and think that it has to be a veteran like Liam Hendricks or a veteran that's been around and had big league success for 10 years to be a successful closer, which we know isn't true. We see guys like Camilo Duval with big time cojones coming in in the biggest games and carving dudes up when you got that stuff, you got that stuff.
1: OK, so let's play a numbers game here. You just got me. You just got my mind racing right now. If you have 10 guys in your system that sit 96 to 99, how many do you think could pan out? One ten and a guys.
0: Half? You said 10 guys.
1: Yeah. One and a half. Oh, easily. OK, so let, let's be conservative there and say one and a half. A lot of organizations right now have 20 to 25 guys that are sitting 96 to 98 right now. Whether it be yeah. at the complex, you got freaks, or you got a guy like Trey or if we're staying in San Diego, where he's sitting 97 because he's seven, 250 pounds. And I think they might have just not protected him on the 40-man. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that off the top. But, like, you've got guys that are super expendable that are sitting 97 mile an hour miles an hour with your fastball. That's where organizations are at now. That is where baseball is at now. 98 is not as valuable
0: as it was five years ago. One of the best bullpen acquisitions this past year was via the rule five draft. Garrett Whitlock. Yeah. Like that, that you just spurred a thought in my head. Like that was one of the best acquisitions for the bullpen that was made. It's Garrett Whitlock. To me, that kind of says it all is there's so many freaking arms I was talking to Colby and uh, he, <laughs> we were just talking about how many pitchers there are that are just nasty in the minors. And Colby brought up a really good point. He goes, we need an expansion. There's too much talent. Yeah. And I never really thought about it like that, but it's not that ridiculous to say, like, there is so much talent out there. There's so many good minor leaguers that the the league could easily facilitate an expansion without a problem. It wouldn't dilute the talent whatsoever. Uh, And I think when you're seeing really good arms go in the rule five that legit are plugging right into bullpens, the rule five draft. Now the biggest challenge with the rule five is that you have to put the guy in the big league level right away. But a lot of these rule five relievers are guys that you can confidently put right in there. Like no problem. The Marlins got a guy, Zach pop. It was a bit of an up and down. It was a rookie year for him. Up to triple digits, wipe out slider, crazy K rate, picked him up in the rule five. It's pretty wild to look at. And that's why when people are like, oh, there's not that many great players from the rule five. I bet every single year with the big league rule five draft, you're going to have a decent reliever taken now from, from from now moving forward every single year.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you just mentioned you can find like diamonds in the rough elsewhere. And I do just want to have, I I do want to wrap up a thought on the Padres real quick because that was my jam, right? I saw the guys that are um, nearly invisible to most baseball minds that are really good and have the chance to be super super successful here um trey wingenner made a rehab appearance there he was sitting 97 that's a guy that has been with the padres but that's not a guy that is just in you know obscurity right now carter lowen what is from a like right outside vancouver was a non-drafted free agent in 2020 at a hawaii this guy is 96 to 98. He's massive. He looks like Thor, and he's got a hammer of a slider. If all goes well for him, he, he's rehabbing from Tommy John right now. But if all goes well for him, he could be a bullpen piece for the Padres in 2024 when he's 24 years old. And oh, by the way, he's throwing 100 with a slider, and you've got six years of control with him. And then you've got Kevin Copps. The cops, the Golden Spikes winner, who has one pitch and it's an 88 mile an hour cutter, and nobody could touch it in high A after nobody could touch it in college baseball, and then he wrapped up a good year in double A too. Cops could be there in 2022, striking out guys at the big league level. There are relievers growing on trees right now. You can't say that about any position in the field, and it's hard to say that about starting pitchers but you can always go get a bullpen arm. You can go get somebody who has one pitch to get you through three outs.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is you only need to master one pitch (laughs) and you don't need three pitch. when we're talking about prospects all the time and it's, "Ah, okay. Can he get the third pitch for a strike? Can he command it? Uh, You know, will he be able to get enough swings and misses on the heater? We have all these questions as a reliever. You don't even have to command it that well. You don't have to have a second pitch. And you just have to spray in the vicinity of the strike zone and, and get swings and misses and get three outs. And that it, it makes it sound too like too easy because it still is very hard. But with the talent, with the arm talent that we see today, to, to me, I, I really think that we're going to see this, this change over time. The more we're seeing also – I think we're seeing more hesitancy from the big contracts, period, Jack, right? I mean, we saw the Rangers give Seager the, the mega deal because – why i mean that was what they had to do to convince seeger to go to a team in texas that you know it doesn't really have that much going for him and now they're you know artificially kind of creating that momentum when you look at those long term deals they're already slowing down a little bit they all went poorly for the most part except for harper which we know we'll see on the back end but you know, Harper looks like it'll age well. For the most part, those contracts are bad, and, and we're seeing teams hesitant. I mean, teams are trying to barter with Carlos freaking Correa, right? No, we don't want to go in eighth year. Teams would never have been able to do that a few years ago at all. If you were not willing to do that, see ya. Somebody else will. So I think that we're going to start seeing that make its way to the reliever market, too. I don't know how many more four- or five-year deals we're going to see uh, with big-time relievers. And I think that's kind of the summary here is I, I think we kind of agree with that sentiment, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've got one more thing that I want to run us through before we wrap here. I looked at the correlation of bullpen money and winning. There is something that all 30 major league baseball teams have in common. They all want to win the World Series. So I looked at the past eight World Series winners, I looked at total bullpen payroll, and I looked at the top earner in that bullpen. Let's start with 2021. Obviously, the World Series winner was the Atlanta Braves. Their total bullpen payroll was just under $25 million. Their top earner, Will Smith, at $13 million. But then you look at Luke Jackson and Tyler Matzik and A.J. Minter, who were all under $2 million in the 2021 season. That's how this stuff pops up. In 2020, total bullpen payroll for the World Series winning L.A. Dodgers – 40 million dollars, 39.3. Their top earner Kennedy Jansen at 18 million dollars. At points in that postseason, Kennedy Jansen was a liability. Who got the final out of the 2020 World Series? Prearb Julio Urias. Yep. Let's talk about that. Right 2019, the Washington Nationals, their bullpen payroll, the lowest of the past eight years, 20.4 million. Their top earner in that bullpen in 2019 was Sean Doolittle at six
0: million. Who well, I think that's they, where we should traded be. for too. I don't even think they were paying that six million. No, they traded I mean, our man Jesus. They traded our man Jesus for him.
1: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, man, so like you know, that is kind of the template that you should be following. 2019, obviously, that is everything working out well, and that money works, and that money correlates to a world series win but 2018 boston paid 26 million dollars for their bullpen 13 of which half of their bullpen payroll went to craig kimbrell in 2018 nathan uvaldi was their best reliever in the world series 2017 the houston astros they had 38 million dollars in their bullpen but that's accounting for francisco liriano's 13 (laughs) their top paid true reliever was luke gregerson at 6 million
0: Oh my 2016
1: gosh. the Cubs, 33 million, 11 was committed to Aralddou Chapman. 2015, Kansas City, 29 million dollars, 8.2 committed to Greg Holland, and then 2014 San Francisco, 26 and a half million, 6.3 committed to Sergio Romo. So there's no rhyme or reason here to say that you should pay the top flight guys a ton of money to close out the game. when in reality, Sean Doolittle was picked up via trade, Greg Holland, you just paid after he was really good for you. And then Craig Kimbrell wasn't even that big of a piece for the Red Sox. Like there is no pattern that indicates that you should be paying massive money for
0: relievers in order to win the world series. And I think it's only becoming more and more clear in that regard too. Like, It's only becoming more so the case as we get further and further along. And the other thing is, is it's really about getting hot at the right time. And how many of these Braves arms, Do we have confidence in long-term to be legit relievers for a long time? I think zero. (laughs) I don't know. But you know what? I had all of the confidence in the world when Matzik towed the rubber during the postseason because it's a streaky position. More irons in the fire, more guys that are capable of crazy streaks, and just kind of offset each other and you ride the hot hand. The problem is there's too many bullpens that have the elite guys And then guys that aren't even capable of having six stretches because they're just not good enough. I want a bunch of guys that have good enough stuff to go through six stretches and I'll ride that hot hand and mix and match a lot of the way. That's the best way to do it, I think.
1: Just think about this. With starters and with position players, we hold hope for them on a year-to-year basis. For bullpen arms, we hold hope for them on a day-to-day basis. During the season. This guy was great on Tuesday. It's Thursday. Let's see if he can shut it down in the seventh.
0: Yep. No other position are you worrying about that? Even most starters, of course, they're not great every time out there. But you're not like, oh, I hope Shane Bieber pitches well today, or even <laughs> you know, even for, for on the Marlins side, I'm, I'm not like, oh, I hope Sandy Cal- Alcantara pitches well today. Like I'm assuming he's pitching well at all times, and of course, and, he's and have if some he bad doesn't. Starts. If he doesn't, then you still have hope for that 2021 season. Even if he
1: has like a stretch of three rough starts, you're not looking at this contract he just signed saying, ooh, 2025 is going to suck.
0: No. And when a closer blows three saves in a row, you're like, oh, shit.
1: Like, this guy blows. Get him yeah. off my
0: team. We're falling apart. You know, and I think that says a little bit about just the way we look at the position in general too. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you got to be winning – getting into the ninth inning. And that's why I think it's really about the three outs where you got the middle of the order and the back three innings. That is the most important. And we've talked about that a lot too. So I'm really excited because I think there's a lot of arms. I'm really excited to kind of see how each of these teams start to build out their bullpen and how each team approaches it specifically the Phillies. And I'm sure it'll be something we talk about as we continue to do the GM series and address the bullpen, because I don't think you or I are going to be throwing a lot of money at relievers as we rebuild some of these teams or get some of these teams bolstered up for the season as we fly through the rest of the league. It's going to be a very
1: St. Louis start to 2022. We got the Cardinals. We got, uh, are you doing their top? What? They They do need need pitching. pitching. (laughs) They need bullpen.
0: Um, (laughs) They need bullpen Do they? I don't
1: know. I don't know if they need bullpen. Um, You're doing their top 10 prospects this week? Yes. Okay. And then we're going to play GM with them as well. Hell yeah. Best defense out there oh my god yeah tommy edmund take me to the moon and Ed-
0: mando sosa
1: <laughs> we had some good discourse on mando sosa come back this week for that but he's Aram. i'm jack stay up to date on all of our social media channels we're trying to make baseball entertaining through a lockout right now and i think we're doing it uh here's to an awesome 2022 adjust baseball and you're all baseball enjoyment